Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners, and hello, video viewers, if you are watching this on YouTube. Hello, everybody. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Michael Lavers, who, uh, wait a minute, Lavers, isn't it? Lavers, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone says Lavers, don't worry, though. Okay, Let me try that again. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Michael Lavers, who is an English teacher from Cornwall in the southwest of England. Hello, Michael. Hello. Thank you for having me. Very excited. It's it's a pleasure. How are you today? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, Sleepy eyes, but I feel great. (laughs) Yeah, it's a morning recording for us, so we're still kind of like, oh, half asleep. Um, So I'll I'll continue my little introduction here. Uh, Listeners, viewers, Michael also has a podcast for learners of English. It's called the Level Up English Podcast. You might want to check it out if you haven't already done so. Uh, It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And there's a YouTube channel as well, the Level Up English Podcast. And as well as being an English teacher, Michael is also a language learner himself. And in his podcast episodes, he often talks with guests about experiences of learning other languages, including those embarrassing or awkward moments that happen when you feel shy or you make mistakes. Also, Michael has described himself as a socially awkward person who lacks a certain amount of confidence in himself. Is that a fair statement, Michael? I would say so, definitely. I mean, apparently other people don't always see that, but at least to my mind, it's very true. Yeah, I feel very awkward all the time. (laughs) We should probably define the word awkward because this is one of those words that we do use a lot, uh, but people I notice don't often know what it is. So awkward essentially means embarrassing and uncomfortable, and it relates to feeling shy and feeling not very at ease especially in social situations. So you can be an awkward person and you can feel awkward. Uh, We also have awkward situations, situations that make you feel a bit uncomfortable and embarrassed. Um, Typically sort of social situations, you know, if you're not totally comfortable and and at ease, you're probably going to feel awkward. You're going to find social situations to be awkward. So that's the word awkward, A-W-K w-a-r-d so in fact michael has said that one of the reasons michael you have said this one of the reasons that you started your podcast was to try to gain some confidence by going out of your comfort zone Mm. so this is what i would i thought that i would ask you about michael uh your language learning experiences and those awkward and embarrassing moments and then i thought that we could chat a bit about social awkwardness and whether this is a uniquely british thing i don't think it is uniquely british but it certainly seems to be something that um uh, british people experience a lot so we'll talk about british awkwardness and we're going to go into some specific examples of how this so-called british 
British awkwardness manifests itself. So that's the plan. So um, I should also say, just before we start, there are guys working on the roof just outside my window, so there might be some noises. I hope it doesn't disturb things too much. So, Michael, yes. Now, when you interviewed me on your podcast, you asked me about my language learning experiences and about those awkward and embarrassing moments I've had. So this time I thought I would turn the tables and sort of ask you the same kinds of questions you often ask your guests. So my first question actually is about language learning. So um, how many other languages do you speak or how many other languages are you attempting to learn at this point? At at the moment, I'm kind of attempting to learn three languages at different levels of um, focus, I guess. So my main one has always been Japanese. Um, I just find it the most fun. That's really the only reason why. Um, I'm also learning Chinese, a little bit less effort for Chinese. And more recently, I started learning Cornish, which is the local Celtic language of where I'm from. Um, And that's like five minutes a day, like really, really minimal. But it's just interesting to learn a bit more about that. Cornish is fascinating. I mean, I'd love to to talk more about that too. Mm. Maybe I, we can come on to that in a moment. Yeah, but yeah. You, um, uh, but um, so when you are learning um, your languages, let's say uh, Japanese, you said it's mainly for fun. Um, what level are you, would you say at this point? Somewhere intermediate, I guess I can have like conversations on most topics, just not, you know, with, with hesitation and not, not super fluent. So I, mm-hmm. I've been at that kind of level for probably years at this point. Okay. So what kind of routines do you use? What are your specific language learning routines, if you have any? Yeah, yeah. I, I focus a lot on routine because I always think that's like the one of the big things that people struggle with. Like I think most people know roughly how to learn a language. It's just kind of getting that routine and the habit in place. So I, I think that's one of my strengths is that routine. So it... I think it should change as you develop in your language ability. You know, as you get to a higher level, you should adapt it. So at the moment, it's quite simple, really. I do a couple sessions of like language exchange or have a lesson online every week just for conversation practice. So it's not really a lesson. It's just talking practice mm-hmm. um, with maybe some corrections and things like that. Um, every day I'll do a little bit of reading, a little bit of listening, I try to do writing, but I can't, I don't always have the time to be honest, but basically just those simple skills, like a bit of reading, writing, listening, and talking. So cover those main skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't bother too much with like grammar or textbooks these days. It's just um, trying to use the language as much as I can, really. How do you actually collect vocab, record it? How do you deal with grammar? Um, for vocab, I tend to just collect from what I'm doing. So if I have a conversation and there's a new word, I will use that word and write some example sentences and maybe use dictionary to help me. Um, I might chuck that into Anki, like the flashcard software. So I will study these sentences in Anki, um, the full sentences, not just the single words. Mm. Um, And yes, same with like reading. If I'm reading a blog post, I might come across some new words. Um, I don't tend to, I don't have the attitude of learning every word you know? Yeah. I think you shouldn't. So I'm only learning the words that are kind of relevant to the topics I'm interested in. Um, But yeah, I'm not too worried. Like I kind of have faith that I don't have to record, I don't have to write everything down. If I keep studying, if I keep um, practicing, 
the words will keep repeating themselves naturally and they'll sink in eventually. That's, that's my hope anyway. Yeah. I think it's a really good way of picking up language is just, yeah, just uh, connecting with the language, listening to it and reading it a lot and having conversations and these things just come up. Mm. And, and, you know, if you're studying, let's say you're trying to expand your vocabulary, you do have to think, I need to learn the la- the vocab that people actually use. And it can be hard to find that, you know, if you are used to using, let's say, traditional studying methods where you learn vocab as it's presented to you by materials or whatever, or even word lists and things. There's no way of judging, like, to what extent people actually use those things and how they use them as well. The sort of You tend to find certain words are used in negative sentences or with certain types of attitude. So yeah, just sort of just listening and reading and paying attention is often the, the mm-hmm. best way. Um, okay. And, and, and how about grammar? Do you actively study grammar in Japanese? No, I really don't. Um, I feel for the first it's quite a long story, but I won't go into it really. But the first few years, I was so shy at this point, I didn't really do any speaking. Mm-hmm. So instead, I was just doing completely, like solely grammar study and, and writing, all that kind of stuff. So in a sense, I feel like I'm making up for that time now and not doing any more grammar, because I feel like I've got a good handle on that for the most part. But when I do find, you know, when I'm talking to someone, and I hear like a new structure like, oh what does that mean i might google it and realize it is like a new grammar structure and in that case i will you know do some practice sentences using that grammar or maybe i will try to use it in my next language lesson um but i don't really spend too much time studying only if it comes up and it's you know new for me at that moment but i don't go out of my way to look for new grammar mm-hmm mm-hmm okay did you find Japanese grammar and English grammar like radically different? Do you, do you find that your Japanese is heavily influenced by English? I don't think so. I mean, this is, in my opinion, this is the easy, easier thing about Japanese because it's so different from English. I've never had the problem where I'm translating. Mm. Um, mm. Whereas I think if you're learning like Spanish or French, probably it's easier to translate in your head like English to French. But with Japanese, it, it's just so cumbersome to do that it doesn't make sense so it's almost easier to just switch your mind over to the new like thinking in japanese as well um mm. so yeah it's totally different grammar wise to english which is a nice challenge do you feel like the different structure because uh, in japanese you know just in case any listeners don't know i mean i'm not i'm not i don't know that much but i used to speak a bit mm. that you have um what is it the verb basically comes at the end you've got mm-hmm. subject object verb um, so, I mean, give us an example, if you will, just a simple sentence of like, in I Japanese? like yeah, of like, I, I eat, I eat pizza every day or something like that. If you would mm, that's, um, put me on the spot now. So mainichi pizza o taberu, like right. every day pizza eat. Right. <laughs> and it's interesting. You don't say every, uh, I, there's no. It's not, there's no actual subject mentioned. It's just everyday pizza eat. And yeah, the subject's like implied, isn't it? So you don't, yeah. unless there's some uncertainty as to who you're talking about, you wouldn't say I, because it, it kind of feels a bit like too much. Like, oh, me, me, me. I'm so important. Um, same with you. Like if I say, you know, how are you? And I use the word you, it's a bit too much like in your face. Like it's like I'm pointing too, right in your face. Yeah. Too direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So so these these sort of pronouns or whatever are often just removed completely and it's just context that helps you work out who is being referred to. Yeah. And that's exactly Very, why translating is so difficult because if you just translate literally it just sounds ridiculous. It sounds rude, it sounds weird. Mm. So it's it's fun, yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. I also love in Japanese the way you can just uh you make a question just by adding a little thing at the end. Mm. So it's, you know, what what is it? It's like uh, you know, pizza, uh ski des, ski des ka. Yeah, like, just ka. Uh, ka. It's it's a bit like saying, so, uh pizza like question? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's so easy because like, I know in English, it's such a nightmare, isn't it? You've got to invert everything, swap words around. And then Chinese and Japanese, it's similar. You just add a sound to the end and it's a question. It's great. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah, you know, in our, in our classes, when we're teaching elementary students, it's like, I like pizza. Do you like pizza? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoa, well, do you, not you. And do? What the hell's do? Why is this? Whereas in Japanese, it's just like, I like pizza. You like pizza? Question? Yeah. How wonderful is that? I wish all languages were like that. And then, and then you've got like the horrible indirect, like, I was wondering whether you liked pizza. And I, I just, right. this doesn't really exist in Japanese as far as I know. How do they do that then? Because if, because they do, I'm asking you tricky questions maybe yeah. about Japanese now, because I know that there are different, maybe different cases that are used when you're referring to like, you know, uh, uh, someone who you should show respect to, like an older person and stuff like that. I think that there are different ways. I, I don't mean to test you on your Japanese. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's really going to be revealed here. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I never use this really super formal language because I speak to people on like a friend level. I never speak to people like super formally. So yeah. I'm not so familiar with it. But I think it's just, again, very simple. Like a lot of the time you put a oh sound before a word. Like, you know, if you want someone to reply, you might say like, I don't know, henji onegaishimasu. Like henji means reply. But maybe mm. polite ways like o henji. I, I don't know if they say that, but that, that would be one mm. example. Mm. It just makes it more polite and it's much easier than English where you have to add all these extra words, I think. Yeah, we we end up being indirect in, in, and uh, we do all these kinds of, uh, what do you call it, inversions, as you said. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, one more question about Japanese. What, what's the most difficult thing uh, f- as an English person uh, about learning Japanese in, in the language, would you say? Hmm. Most people would say the characters. I never found that so difficult because for me, it was so fun to like learn all these new characters. And I, I've always said, if you find it fun, it's not hard because, yeah. If, if it's fun, it's just easier to pick up in my in my experience. By characters, you, you mean the way that Japanese is written? Yeah, so we, we, the, we it's describe... like the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there's yeah. there's three different alphabets in in Japanese, isn't there? Yeah. Two yeah. that are Japanese, and one that is kind of taken from Chinese. It's the same mm-hmm. as Chinese alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do I find hard? Uh, I get. I guess it really is like the conjugation and all this. It, it, it is these grammar structures. Like, I'll, try, I'll do my best to give you an example. Like, mm. in English, you say, I have to go, which you just say, have to, and it means I must go. It's very, very simple. Yeah. In Japanese, the word to go is iku, which mm-hmm. is simple. If you want to say, I have to go, there's a few ways to say it, but one way is, ikkanakereba narimasen. Whoa. And all of that ending just means have to. 
Yeah. And it's like little stuff like that where you have to memorize these really long strings of words. Whenever I say that to a Japanese person, they go, huh, I guess it's difficult. I never thought about it. But to me, it's just, I I can't believe that's how they do it. Yeah. Yes. Incredible, isn't it? The the differences (laughs) in languages. Um, So let's talk about awkward or embarrassing moments then, as I said before. So you often ask people about this. Have you uh, and do you have embarrassing or have you had any funny moments in another language or in language learning in general? What about your stories? I I guess so. It's so I think about this a lot. I try to remember, but I feel like a lot of them I have repressed. I have blank them from my memory because probably they were too traumatic you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was trying to think of similar things too it just feels like every time i go out and speak french or situations where i have to use french millions of things occur that strike me as perfect examples of how awkward you can feel in another in another language Mm. and then i go away from that situation it's all instantly forgotten Mm. um so it's yeah it's hard to put your finger on exactly what that embarrassment or that feeling is. Yeah. Right? I, I came up with a couple examples. Um, so I've said this one before on my podcast and it's, I don't think it was a big, it was only with one person. It wasn't super embarrassing, but I, I had recently learned the word for cannabis in Japanese, mm-hmm. marijuana. Um, and at the, a similar time, I learned the word for compost as well and it sounds a little bit similar it begins with the same compost listeners is like when you you, let's say you've 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 trimmed the hedge in your garden and you've got lots of branches and leaves on the floor where do you put all those branches and leaves you collect them up and you put them in the compost and you put in maybe scraps of like vegetables and stuff you've been cooking in the kitchen in the compost as well and over time all of that stuff decomposes and you end up with lovely uh, well, it's called compost, isn't it? That you can put on your vegetable patch or on your f- your flower garden, and it helps to nourish the soil. So that's your compost. So mm. you 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 recently learnt the word for cannabis or marijuana in Japanese, and it sounds similar to the word compost in Japanese, does it? Then? Yes, it, kind of. Yeah, bit, a little bit. And I, I think also when you learn two words at the same time, it's more easy. It's easier to confuse them. Yeah. Um, and I. You know, I was working on a farm at the time, so it was quite important to use the word compost. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, can I have can I have some compost, please? Can you pass me the compost?" But I, I was actually I was actually saying, "Like, can you give me the cannabis? Can I have the <laughs> cannabis, please?" And she looked at me like, "What? What? Like, what? we we don't do that here because I mean, this is like very taboo in Japan, I would say. Yeah, yeah, uh, more than England. Um, so I had a weird look, and then I pointed to the bag, and then she and she realized what I meant. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a big deal, but it was a little bit embarrassing, and I've I've never made the mistake since. Not that it is a common phrase anyway, but yeah, pass me the compost. It's not something you say every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. But I mean, you know, what happened to you as a result of that? I mean, what was what was the damage done to you? Was there any? You mean mentally? Yeah. I mean, and we you know because when we when you know. If we're talking about confidence issues and that sort of thing, yeah. um, and you know, for some reason, speaking in another language makes us more nervous than than speaking in our first language, um, and there's a certain amount of yeah discomfort, and we can be we can feel scared, and this can lead people to stop speaking. You know, in a situation, they'll just kind of, as we say, clam up and just kind of sit there and not take part. And like, oh, I'll let everyone else speak. Uh, 
And so what is it that we are afraid of? Uh, are we afraid of saying the wrong thing and having a misunderstanding of that, like that that could have been a problematic? You know, cannabis is a taboo in Japan. You don't just talk about it like that. And she could have been shocked and stuff. So we, we worry about these sorts of things happening, I suppose. But it happened to you. Mm. And what was the result? Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't think I was too bothered this time. Um, mm-hmm. I I went to Japan. I've been to Japan twice. And each time was very distinct because the first time I was a, a bit younger and I was really shy. I, I kind of felt that awkwardness every day where I would make some embarrassing mistake. I would say the wrong thing. And I always had the feeling like I would want to escape. So I, you know, I had no plan. So I would end up just like getting on a train, going to another town. And I had this kind of feeling. <laughs> Wait a minute. You were so shy. So, so shy about speaking. You were like, oh, I give up. I'll just move to another town and try again. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, there wasn't, obviously I wanted to see the country as well. But I always had that feeling like, like, ah. Oh, doesn't matter i'm gonna go to another town like i can leave my awkwardness behind i'm gonna start fresh in this new town day one in the new town i would do something embarrassing again ah look at that embarrassing funny foreigner and like yeah so i think from that trip i've kind of blocked a lot of my awkwardness i can't remember anything because it was just too traumatic the second time i came i had grown a lot i had kind of grown in confidence and this was the compost trip that trip Um, yes so i kind of had the attitude of like make mistakes, have fun. People know I'm learning. It doesn't matter. I kind of try to remind myself that every day. So as a result, I didn't really care. Like I'm, I did awkward things. I forgot people's names and um, yeah, called people the wrong names, things like that, just because it's a different language. But mm. I, I didn't really care so much. I thought, oh, I have like the, the, the learner pass, right? Like if I make a mistake, yeah. that they will understand. So it didn't yeah. affect me too much, um, unlike on the first trip, you know? Mm-hmm. Where you were like running like a fugitive <laughs> L- from town to yeah, town. running from my problems. <laughs> <laughs> but the point, I guess the point I was trying to make with the question was that, uh, so you had that embarrassing experience and it sort of, you know, nothing really happened as a result, ah, really. There was, yes. there was no fallout. That, you know, it, you didn't, it didn't hurt you really. Uh, if anything, it even made you stronger because you you were like, oh well, I had that experience. Now you've got a story as well, yeah. which is always good. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, it's it doesn't. There's no injury that arises as a result of making uh, mistakes in language and so on. But it's yeah, it's difficult to come out of your shell, isn't it? It really is. But I, I think that the point you made about just having fun is really important mm-hmm. because this this can really sort of uh, liberate you as a language learner. And if you're just like, I'm just going to have a laugh and just have experiment in this language and I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to learn from them is probably the right attitude, I suppose. Yeah, um, totally. What What's mm. your view on having maybe a bit of a drink and learning because that's oh, yeah. one way of doing that right 100 percent agree having a having a drink <laughs> obviously you know responsibly yes. um of course but yeah having a beer or something um when learning languages is yeah huge makes a huge difference it massively helps i'm, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and start drinking but it you know it's well known that alcohol helps you to you lose your inhibitions. And this is vital in, in language learning. It really is because, you know, the effective filter 
which is that thing that comes into play that blocks you if you feel shy or nervous. They call it the the affective filter, and there are many different things that can you know influence that. For example, feeling judged or, or or feeling observed or you know nervous for whatever reason, which is why as a teacher you've got to try and get the right atmosphere in class to try and get rid of that affective filter. Uh, Dan, what was the point I was making? <laughs> what was the point I was <laughs> we making? We were talking help? about like having a drink and, and yeah, that's it. So alcohol obviously you know helps to cut through the affective filter yeah. to the point where you feel loose and you feel much more comfortable. And um, so yeah, a, a drink is okay. But uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that th- this is a new learning in method. moderation. Yeah, yeah, in mo- moderation, of course. Um, yeah, but so what about you? As do you sometimes have a drink I, while you? Yeah, I, I rarely drink. I mean. Back in, you know, a few years ago, I did a bit more. And if I, you know, there was sometimes where I'd meet like a Japanese person at a party, like, oh, and I tried to talk to them, try and be respectful and not just like, you know, like, hey, I'm going to talk to you now. You have no choice. Yeah. But um, yeah, I always felt like my language was much worse. Like I, I was slurring. I couldn't say things clearly. Um, but I was saying a wider range of things. I wasn't worried like, wait, is this right? Because I think when you are awkward and nervous, you're always like, uh, wait, I want to make sure this is right before I say it. Whereas I, I think it's probably better just to say it, you know, drink or, drink or no drink, just say what you want to say. And probably it'll be fine. You know, you might not make a mistake. And if you do, it doesn't matter, really. You'll, you'll learn from it. I, th- I think it's really important to be able to get to that point where you are talking and it's almost kind of just coming out freely you're not you're not stopping writing the thing you're going to say in your head and then printing it out of your mouth kind of thing it, it you're 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 thinking and you're speaking is sort of com- uh, synchronized because you don't really have time to check yourself and you're not worried about checking yourself before you say things so yeah getting the right atmosphere getting the right people around you and getting in the right sort of emotional space i think is really important for practicing uh, your 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 language learning mm. um so social awkwardness right so you you know as you've said you've, you felt shy and maybe a bit more comfortable these days has has doing your podcast uh, helped that was one of the aims of of yours when doing your show was to try and gain some more confidence has it worked yeah i i would say so i mean i guess the listeners can judge i, I had someone she had a lesson with me yesterday and she yeah. said she had listened to all like 120 episodes in three weeks whoa which I, I i did the maths and it worked out like average of five a day five episodes a day i that's unbelievable so so maybe someone like that could tell me if they think i've i sound better now um yes yeah, unbelievable but i i do think so like I, I do think i can even talking to my friends i feel like i can make a more comprehensible sentence and i, I can string words together a bit more easily than i could in english in english yeah 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 Uh, well it's bound to happen i i I do believe that uh experiences that we have uh sort of you know pay pave the way to gaining more experience more confidence the Mm. only way to get to get it is to go through those experiences um i don't know um we spoke when was it maybe six months ago something like that yeah yeah i can't really tell but you seem comfortable and confident today which is good i don't know if that's because you're a guest on someone else's podcast so it's a bit you can relax a bit more Ah, i'm I'm 
definitely not relaxed. I'm glad I don't seem awkward and nervous, but I'm even on my own podcast after you know over a hundred episodes. I'm always nervous, always uncomfortable <laughs> in, in, in a little bit, in a little way, anyway. So, sort of moving away from language learning and stuff, and just talking about social awkwardness. So if you're in a social situation, what, how does this social awkwardness manifest itself? I'm, I'm asking as if I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I experience these things too. But just tell us, try and tell us about how that kind of social awkwardness manifests itself. You know, uh, do you know what I mean? Physically or in terms of feelings, you mean? Yeah, all of it. So physically, how you feel, the sort of proce- things that are going through your mind in a in a situation. Let's say, well, what's the situation? <laughs> I don't know. You are... Um, it's I a ha- kind of... Yeah, go I on. Say I had one yesterday, if I can... Let me to yeah. use that. Like, yes. I, I met a friend. We, you know, we we're quite good friends yesterday. Um, I was trying to teach her how to use a skateboard. Um, she'd never tried before. Yeah. And I... I don't know if she'll listen to this, but I, I felt, I, I felt really awkward. Like, cause she was like trying to use it and I was just stood there. Like, I didn't know what to say. I've never taught anyone to ride it before. And I think a big problem is always like, what do I do with my hands? Like I was crossing my <laughs> hands, put in my pockets. Like I, I didn't know what to do. And I, I think this is a big feature of awkwardness is when you're overthinking everything, you know, you're thinking about your position, how other people were perceiving you, um, mm. You, you know, I'm going to lean on this wall. No, wait, I'm leaning too much. It doesn't look natural. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Uh, uh, you know, I do that myself sometimes where you're standing there. Like sometimes as a, as a teacher, I'm standing in front of my class of students and I'm standing there kind of, I realize I'm just standing and like, okay, I'll just fold my arms and then like, no, I'm not going to do that. And just go straight back to mm, lean. No, I won't lean. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, or, that does happen. I'm going to put my hands on a pocket. So you realize your coat doesn't have pockets. So you're just awkwardly like <laughs> rubbing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you're trying to get your hand in your pocket i don't know do you think this is a, a british thing do you think that we as a nation of people are more uncomfortable uh with ourselves than than other people it, you know it's always hard to generalize but even so i would say yes because most of the people that i speak to friends and students most of them are not british um and I can kind of see the differences I feel between myself and them and other British people too. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's a general, I, w- I wonder what it is. It's like in the culture, maybe we don't want to, we don't want to stand out. Maybe we don't want to bother people. I don't I feel like. I feel like I think we're very self-conscious. So we're very aware of ourselves. Like, and and this is a good and a bad thing. Yeah, uh, we we actually consider it in the UK. I believe like that kind of self-awareness. We consider that to be a really important social trait. And people who are unaware of themselves, they 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 aren't able to objectively see themselves and see how they behave. Those people who are unaware, we don't like that. I think, and mm. we find that funny or terrible you know a lot of our comedy characters are characters who essentially don't have this quality they can't see themselves they don't they're unaware of themselves they're not self-conscious enough and so they're just doing things and um like putting people out you know impinging on other people <laughs> causing problems without really realizing it yeah, and i think that something right yeah or i'm thinking alan partridge perhaps you know he's the sort of person who just sort of has got no idea how he really is. 
his view of himself is that he's like this great sort of TV presenter or something. But he, everyone just sees him as just, you know, it's just a terrible egomaniac. Um, so, yeah, being self-conscious and being aware of yourself and being aware of the impact that you're having on others. I think we're quite acutely aware of this for some reason. It, it relates to, maybe to our indirect communication style too, where essentially we don't want to put too much pressure on other people we are concerned about you know uh in invading other people's personal space or emotional space you know it's, it's very sort of sensitive situation mm. um it's not dissimilar to the japanese i think that they can be quite indirect too mm. so maybe that's it that it's self-consciousness and and you, as you said like you can't help seeing yourself you like you just see yourself standing there you don't know where to put your hands and so on so maybe it comes from a certain kind of self-consciousness, but surely other nations uh, feel that way too, or or do they? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, as you said, I, th- I think it's a very Japanese thing. I, th- I think I would say in Japan it's more extreme in the sense that you don't want to make it seem like other people. You, you don't want to be a burden to other people. You don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, people might not ask for directions. Maybe that's my experience anyway, because um, they don't want to bother people. Um, things like that. I, I feel like it's even it's different, but I feel like it might be even stronger than here. Yeah, I, yeah, I once. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, those embarrassing stories and things. I once, uh, I think, really. Uh, what was the word you used? B- uh, bothered or something? People um, burden. I really burden. burdened uh, a person once in Japan. So I was uh, I was trying to get cash out of the cash machine, and I had to use like a like a sort of like a passport thing that I got. F- when I had a bank account, I had a card and a, a paper little book. And I think I was trying to withdraw money with the paper book. I can't remember. Anyway, I was trying to use the cash machine inside the bank. And there were, I couldn't see any staff in the bank to help me. I didn't know what to press because there were no translations on the, on the machine. So I thought I'll just pop outside and I'll just like get a passerby to quickly help me press the right buttons. So I went outside. I was like, oh, Sima sent, um, you know, can you, can you help me? Uh, and this company guy, this salary man in a suit walking down the street. And he was like, oh, okay. And he came into the bank with me. And I was like, I'm trying to explain in broken Japanese and mime and English, like, you know, which buttons do I press to, to get my money? And uh, he was like, ah, ah. Like this, like really, clearly, really uncomfortable. I, I think maybe because I was foreign and I was like speaking English to him, and he was probably going to work or something, and I just disturbed him. But uh, uh, lots of that kind of quite uncomfortable, pained body language. And I turned my head to look to see if any members of staff had arrived in the bank. And as I turned, he escaped because I turned my head away from him. And when I turned back, he'd gone and I looked and I just saw him disappearing out the door. Oh, no. He literally, he just escaped. He ran away completely. Oh, that's terrible. So, I, I've heard so I that think, stuff happen, yeah. So the poor guy was, I think I really burdened him with, with that one. But then in Japan also, at the same time, having said that, I also would be standing at the station or even just walking down the street and people would just come up to me mm-hmm. and said, oh, are you, uh, are you American? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm English. Ah, oh, can I speak English to you? And, and then they just talk to you for five yeah. minutes and you're like, okay, all right, right, good, right. That happens <laughs> to know. me a lot too. It's, it's quite nice. It's a bit like, it takes you off guard. Like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this. But yeah, it's, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, a, a shout out to another podcast. There's a podcast called um, Abroad in Japan podcast, which is, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, a lot of fun. I know, Chris Broad, yeah, he's yeah, very funny. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Um, 
I think this week or recent podcast, he told a story very similar where someone, I think it was a caller, they were asking a security guard for help who was sitting mm. in his little security booth. And he, from a distance, they nodded at each other. And as this you know, Western guy approached to ask a question, he kind of instantly nodded his head down and pretended he was sleeping because he didn't <laughs> want to talk. And he was just standing there like, hello? And he just started snoring. <laughs> no way, really? I, I think it's just a, it's a, they want to avoid the discomfort of speaking English because especially people who don't have good English, I think it, it's not rude. It's just fear, maybe. And a, a fellow Japanese person would see that happening and they would just understand, oh, okay, they don't want to talk. So they, they would probably leave them, right? They wouldn't maybe. be like, ah, oh, uh, excuse me, oi, oi, and poking them. <laughs> They're probably like, okay, I don't know. I feel like there's a, quite a lot of mutual understanding between Japanese yeah. people where they kind of, they know what each other's going through and so they're able to navigate that kind of thing so they don't burden each other. Mm. It's a bit like, you know, in the UK, we um, perhaps we sort of, are aware of what each other's going through. But I, I really think that's feel that strongly in Japan. I really felt like all Japanese people sort of, I felt, were on the same wavelength. But that's probably just because I was different, you know. Um, I think it's the same here, right? It's that unspoken cultural rule, almost. Like, you kind of know how other people are feeling in some sense, just because you've been brought up in the same culture, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, um now, awkward situations. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions, some specific questions now. And this is um, all based on some tweets by the popular Twitter account, Very British Problems. Do you know about Very British Problems? I've seen some posts from them. Yeah, yeah. Quite yeah. funny. Twitter account. It became a TV show and everything. Um, so in, uh, on, in those tweets, they just tweet like little situations that involves social awkwardness that seem to sum up what it is to be British. Okay. So I've, I've turned some of these tweets into questions. So let's see how you respond to these questions. Okay. Mm. And listeners too, viewers as well. I want you to consider your answers to these questions too. What would you do in these social situations? Then we'll see what Michael says, and then we'll see the original tweets and see if they all match up. Okay. All right. So are you ready for this, Michael? Yeah. Sounds fun. Okay, so question number one. So imagine you're at the airport, right? Yeah, you, you've arrived at the airport, um, you know, your plane has landed and you've gone through and stuff. And the, the only thing you have to do, you've got your suitcase, you just have to walk through uh, customs, right? And you've got different options. You've got um, the green one, you've got the red one, which means declare. You've got items to declare, like you bought items in the country, you have to declare them for tax, duty tax. And then you've got the other one, which says nothing to declare. So how do you feel when you walk through the nothing to declare gate at an airport when you have nothing to declare in your suitcase? How do you feel when you walk through it? Honestly, I f yeah. always feel nervous as if I've made a mistake. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and actually, I do have something to declare and I've just like forgotten about it. And I'm going to get stopped over from people looking at me behind some glass or something. Yeah, you're going to get arrested. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to put you in a police car and they're going to push your head down like that when when you <laughs> when they push you into the car um yeah the tweet so the the tweet goes like this um 
Simply this, worrying that you've accidentally packed three kilos of cocaine and a dead goat <laughs> as you stroll through nothing to declare. That, that's okay. exactly it. And that when you get out to the final, you know, open Freedom Airport Hall, you have that feeling of relief. Like, yes, I made it, as if you've actually smuggled something. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be human nature. That can't just be British people. That's got to be everyone, I would surely. love to hear from the listeners and um, see if this is a, a worldwide thing, but yeah. definitely for me. Yeah. Please do leave your comments and, and tell us, you know, what you would do in these situations. Also, similarly, if, you, if I walk into a shop and I look around and I don't buy anything and then I leave empty-handed i always feel like i should walk out with my hands up like i'm okay i'm not stealing anything (laughs) i always feel that way yeah i mean i always feel like i look look a bit shady i've I've got like a cap i wear black a lot of the time so i don't know i inside i still feel like a teenager as well i just i've never mentally got past the age of 18 so i feel like they're always like looking at me what's he stealing whenever i see a security guard as well okay look look you know, look casual, look, look like you're not stealing something. Wait, I'm not stealing something. Like, why do I have to say that? And then because you're thinking about it, you look more suspicious. This is exactly constant worry. Yeah. It's weird. Okay. Next one. Okay. So imagine you're sitting with a group of people and it's time for you to leave. So what do you say as you kind of slap your hands on your knees and stand up? Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I probably, I, I don't often say that. I wait until someone else leaves first. <laughs> and you just like, and then I, I'll, go, slip you know, stream. I'll, I'll wait till the kind of thing is over. I, I never leave first. But if I was leaving, I probably, well, it's getting late. Something like that. <laughs> Sun's sun's going down sun's low in the sky yeah <laughs> i was thinking more just just simply saying right mm, just the right and then the, the sigh like, yeah just that that's the tweet right the tweet is being unable to stand and leave without first saying right <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's always that awkward moment like when if, if you're at a friend's house no one says like well, I should, I'm going to get going now. It's kind of just like, well, right. And you kind of start slowly backing towards the door. So <laughs> yeah. when we leave, to be honest, we do say certain things like, right, well, I'm, you know, I better go. I better be off or um, I'm, you know, I'm off is probably uh, one of them. Right. Mm. right okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'm off. I'm off. I'm going to do one as well is, is, <laughs> is one that I use sometimes. Right. I'm going to do one. Oh, that Which can have different gonna... meanings. I don't know, depending on the yeah. context. <laughs> um, do one, do one what? No, I mean, I'm just going to leave. Okay, here's the next question. Um, if someone says something to you, but you don't hear it, you don't hear what they say, how many times are you willing to ask them to repeat themselves? I think the magic number is three, right? And then you just kind of go, ah, yeah, <laughs> nod. <laughs> <laughs> so you would say sorry sorry what was that you'd do that three times it happened at my va- recent vaccination and she was wearing a mask so i couldn't hear she was asking me these medical questions and i went sorry what was that uh sorry and, and after the third time she just went never mind <laughs> really so she gave up before me so the tweet goes like this, and it's, it's perfect. It, said, uh, it says, not hearing someone for the third time, mm. so just laughing and hoping for the best. 
I passed the test. Cool. Yeah, spot on. Spot on. Um, so let's let's have the next question. Uh, well, I'm trying to find it. Uh, here it comes. So what do you say to your taxi driver as they approach the point where you want to get out of the cab? So mm. you're in the taxi. You're just about to get home. Your door is there. So what do you say to the taxi driver? Um, I'm not going to try to guess what the answer is. I'm going to be honest as mm-hmm. all of these. I, I would say... Um, anywhere here is fine. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> this is what all British people say to say, anywhere, anywhere here is fine, thanks. R- rather than saying, drop me exactly at my door, you know, you're 400 metres from your door, like, this is fine. I don't want to Yeah, 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 you. just any, anywhere here is fine. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah. Same for you. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same for me. And I think that it's universal. I think this is the code for saying, stop. Is basically t- saying to the taxi driver, "Stop! Stop now! Thank you. Good night." Isn't it? Anyway, anyway, here's fine. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. What else would you say that isn't rude? I guess. Yeah. Otherwise, it's like uh, it's it's just that it's that door right there. Yes. Just a little further. You know. Then you end up being a bit too mm, annoying. So yeah, anyway, here's fine. Thanks, man. I don't really need to trouble you anymore. Yeah. Have a good night. Yeah. Also, also, I have a weird thing. I don't really want to point to a stranger where I live. I don't, I don't think they would care. It's a taxi driver, but I, it's always on my mind as well, you know? Yeah. I don't know why. So, so the tweet goes like this, saying, anywhere here's fine when the taxi is directly outside your front door. <laughs> <laughs> so you're yeah. in specifically the right place and you just like say something very general. Yeah, anywhere here's fine, even though you're in <laughs> exactly the right spot already. It's weird, uh, yeah. We are we are weird, but I wonder if it is just us. Maybe other, you know, people from other countries, you know, probably are just as weird as us, if not more, if that's mm. possible. Um, next question. I've got loads of these, Mike. I've got tons of these. We should probably do this quick fire, if okay, possible. Okay, I'll try to be quick. Okay, so you're you're on a train, uh, sitting in the window seat with a passenger next to you, and your stop is approaching. What do you do to signal to the passenger in the aisle seat next to you that you will need to get up in a moment? <laughs> I hate this situation so much. I would start rustling my bags. I would put my bag on my lap and like sit up straight and hopefully they would get the hint. I would wait until uh, the, stage, the train arrives and then I would say, excuse me, if they still hadn't got the hint. Right. Well, exactly. Uh, the tweet is this. Being sure to start touching your bag 15 minutes before your station so the person in the aisle seat is fully prepared for your exit. <laughs> Everyone does this. I see this happen to other people too all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, so you're standing at the exit door of the train. So you're in the train. The, door, uh, the train is pulling into the station and you're standing just at the exit door. The door is closed. um, There's a crowd of other passengers right behind you, eager to get off the train. The open door button is not yet illuminated. So everyone's waiting for the button to become illuminated, which means you can open the door. So you're standing right in front of the door. The train's slowly pulling into the station. Loads of people behind you. They're all desperate to get off the train. But the open door button isn't illuminated yet. What do you do? Do you press the button? Um, I don't actually, I'm sure the answer is like they do, but I wouldn't. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, that, yeah. That's fine. That's very reasonable behavior. 
Um, but the tweet it was this. Uh, uh, repeatedly pressing the door button on the train before it's illuminated <laughs> to assure your fellow commut- commuters that you have the situation in hand. <laughs> it's like, don't worry, guys, I've got this under control. I'm going to keep pressing this button. <laughs> I'm not going to keep this pre- in here for any longer than we need to be. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, I've seen that happen. These days, I tend to just lean on the button or something. I don't really want to touch it. Yes. With more hygiene reasons. You know, I just lean on it. And then when it illuminates, I just kind of lean a bit harder. <laughs> just elbow. Yeah, elbow it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you feel when the ticket inspector inspects your perfectly valid ticket? Always nervous. Always nervous. As if you have not bought a ticket. Yes. The, the, the tweet was this. The huge sense of relief after your perfectly valid train ticket is accepted by the inspector. <laughs> Do you get that <clears throat> sense of dread as well when you hear the doors open, you go, tickets, please. You go, oh, and you're no. like, <laughs> <coughs> where is it? Where, where did I put it? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Um, what do you, what do you say modestly to guests arriving in your home? Even that, uh, even though you spent some time before their their arrival tidying things up. Let me let me say that again. So you've got guests coming over. You spend some time tidying the place up, making it look clean. And when the guests arrive and they come into the home, what do you say to them about your home in a modest way? Don't mind the mess. Don't mind yes. the mess. <laughs> Sorry about the mess. <laughs> yeah. It's about... Yeah, it's kind of awkward, that, but also also it's kind of like lifting yourself up, right? It's like, this is my standard of mess. I don't know what yours is, but for me, this is messy. So I'm, I'm usually even better. It's kind of like that, isn't it? Wait, so sorry about the mess is like saying, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it's particularly messy at the moment. Normally, it's not this messy. Yeah. Or it, sorry about the mess means um, accept the mess, mm. I suppose. Um, but the, yeah. the, the, the tweet goes like this. You'll have to excuse the mess. And the translation for that is, I've spent seven hours tidying in preparation for your visit. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm, always sorry about the mess. But, you know, it's interesting, these fixed phrases that we use in certain specific situations. Anyway, here's fine. Mm. And, oh, sorry about the mess. Or you'll have to excuse the mess. Well, go, going the- back to like the previous topic of language learning i think this is why it's so important to learn from context and not just learn a word list because there's so many phrases that we use i mean if you said to a taxi driver okay stop that's correct english it's just not totally natural and polite for that situation so it's really nice if you can you know observe other people and that kind of stuff isn't it yeah, exactly. This is this is pragmatics, basically, mm. what we're talking about here. And it's just how language has an effect or has an impact on people. And choosing certain expressions or certain structures can make a big difference on how it impacts other people. And this is, uh, you know, we were talking before about being aware of yourself and the the things that you do to other people. Pragmatics is all about that. And so not saying to the taxi driver, stop here, or even stop here, please, or stop here, thank you, but saying anywhere here is fine, mm. thanks. Yeah. Um, another question. <clears throat> and we'll do a few more of these, I think, before we wrap this up. Yeah, very good. Yeah, so... 
Uh, it's Sunday, uh, Sunday lunch, which obviously is a big thing in the UK. We like to sit round often with the family and have a nice roast uh, lunch. Uh, so it's it's Sunday lunch, uh, and there is one last roast potato on the table. There's one roast potato left, and you want to eat it. So how do you achieve this? And you've got multiple choice. So you want that potato. So what do you do? Do you do you do you a just take it and eat it? Do you B, ask if you can eat it? Or do you C, offer it to everyone else first? Yeah, definitely. Always C, right? Like, any, anyone want this one? Do you want this potato? You want, you want potato? That, do you want, yeah. yeah. Do you want that? Do you want, do you want that? Does, you want that potato? Does anyone want this? I guess I can have it if no one else wants it, right? <laughs> yeah, you've got to check everyone first and then, hum, then yeah. you can scoff it. Um, the, the, the tweet was... This, indicating that you want the last roast potato by trying to force everyone else to take it. <laughs> come on, take it. Come on, you come on. Why don't you have it? Come on, you have it. Meaning, I really want it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. Um, next. Uh, <clears throat> do you ever tell your housemates or the you know your family or whoever you live with um, um, that you are off to bed and then just go upstairs and stare at your phone for, for an hour in bed? Uh, I don't know who you live with, so maybe that doesn't apply. It doesn't really apply to me. I've never really had like proper housemates before, um, and yeah, I've, no, I've never, never done that. I'm not, I'm not much of a phone user in bed. I try to avoid that, so I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. good boy here. Very good, very good. Um, emails, because there's obviously sort of etiquette and pragmatics to take into account here too. So. How do you end your emails? What's the thing you write just before your name? And uh, sub-question, is there a slightly less friendly difference between saying kind regards and just regards? Oh, yes. Um, this this is a, ho- a huge topic, right? I think you do a whole podcast on emails. Mm. I don't know how fun that would be. I, I but, will, um, I will, yeah. Yeah. Whole course. I, I always Thanks. think about this. I mean, you know, we've emailed a bit. You've seen how I end it. Normally, I would just say thanks because mm-hmm. I feel like personally, I think anything with regards is too formal. I kind of want to feel a bit casual, friendly. That's just my personal preference. Um, but yeah, in, when if you have to use regards, kind regards, oh, that's nice, kind regards. If you just say regards, I think of the Game of Thrones scene. <laughs> yeah, go on. Like just before they assassinate someone so all the lannisters send their regards kill so it kind of sounds very harsh and like like they're mad at you right it's cold isn't it cold yeah so if 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 you'd been emailing this person and at the end of emails you've been writing kind regards and then something happens and you're like well regards (laughs) Uh, and they're like oh cold (laughs) it's true kind anymore (laughs) I always write all the best. That's nice. All the best. I think it's an album, isn't it? Um, uh, hold on a second. <laughs> I think it's an album by Paul McCartney. You just recommend the yeah. album every every email. <laughs> yeah, that's what. Uh, that's not the reason I use it, but that is uh, uh, the title of an album by Paul McCartney. All the best, released in 1987, Capitol Records. Well, just to shed some light on how awkward I am, I don't. I don't know if you feel the same, but when I get an email from someone or from you saying all the best, I feel pressured to change my word to something 
similar. Because uh-huh. if I just say, thanks, Michael, oh, all the best, that's better than thanks. It sounds like more polite. It sounds like he's wishing me the best. So I, I feel like I have to <laughs> change it to like, match your level of formality and friendliness. Well, yeah, we do that, though, don't we? This is like a, a good bit of advice for, for emailing. If you're ever wondering what style you should use, how you should open and close your emails, just check out the the... the what the other person did mm. if if you're replying just use their style and copy it so if they're writing hi luke uh you write hi michael or whatever um you know you just kind of like read each other's behavior but there is often also over time you go from dear michael probably to uh hi michael to just high, to just nothing, yeah, to just yeah. going straight into the main body of the the message, and this is like what happens over time. There's like a progression from this kind of formal stuff to to much less formal, and the ending. Similarly, you might have all the best or kind regards, and then at the end you might be saying cheers or or even nothing or just thanks or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's often the way it goes. Let's have another question or th- or three. Um, uh, oh yeah, so what do you do when you are what do you do when you get an incoming call on your phone from an unknown number? So you're sitting there and suddenly you get a call and you check unknown number. What do you do? You, you've really invited the, per- the perfect person to talk about this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more awkward than probably the answer. And I have disabled all incoming calls on my phone unless they're Whoa. in my contacts. Because wow, really? What I used to do is I never answered them because if it's if it's that important, they'll leave a, a voice message, right? There, yeah. There's no one I'm expecting a call from. And if it's really important, I'll have a message. Um, so now I've just disabled it altogether. So anyone that calls me will go instantly to voice message. So that's my way to avoid being disturbed, but also to avoid the awkward situation. Yeah, very good. You, you've really got this under control. Um, so the tweet uh, from Very British Problems was this, staring at your phone in silent horror until the unknown number stops ringing. Yes. So it's it's often just like, ah! yeah, horror movie stuff, uh, and then just not replying. Um, again, I wonder if this is a typically British thing or if everyone else is doing this too. I, I suspect it might be more global, that one. But yeah, I might be wrong. Yes, I, I expect so too. Why is it that we are afraid of answering our telephones? I don't know why. Hmm, uh, ne- yeah, next question. Yeah, the fear of the unknown. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Who is it? Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> um, so imagine, Michael, that you are walking through a hallway, a long hallway with lots of doors in it, you know, like double doors. Hmm. It could be in a library or something like that or university. You're walking just behind a stranger, someone you don't know, who keeps having to hold the doors for you. So they're ahead of you, and they keep opening the doors. They keep having to hold the doors. There's, like, loads of doors. They keep having to hold them. So how many different ways of saying thanks can you think of? Mm, yeah, you, you would have to change the thanks, wouldn't you? Go, ah, oh, thanks. Thank you. You might even get less and less as you go through each door. Like, thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Ta. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Um yeah, because you can't just be going, thanks, 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 <laughs> thanks. Loses meaning. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to, exactly, thank you, thanks, cheers, ta. <laughs> but there are others as well. well. Well, let's just have a look at the tweet. Um, where is it? Uh, hold on a second. Excuse me. 
Okay, the tweet was this. Running out of ways to say thanks when a succession of doors are held for you, having already used, having already deployed, cheers, ta, and nice one. Nice one, yeah, a nice it's one. Ni- nice one as well, of course. So, yeah. yeah, thanks, thank you, thanks, cheers, ta, nice one. What's left? Honestly, here's another example of my awkwardness. That's happened only a couple of times in my life, but I would often like pretend I've got to text someone and let them <laughs> go ahead. So I don't have to be so close to them anymore, you know? You just hang back and like, oh God, I've got to send an emergency text. <laughs> yeah. They'll be glad too, because I'm sure it's awkward for them too. So it's kind of, you're both pleased if you can do that, I think. I, 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 for some reason, I feel compelled to actually talk about the most awkward situation of all Ooh. for men. I don't know what it's like for women. But I'm 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 going to talk about this. All right, everyone. Okay, so it's when you go to the toilet, like a public toilet or something, and there are urinals on the wall. Right, this is what men's toilets look like. Everyone, don't know if ladies, if you've been in them, you, I don't know. Anyway, there are urinals on the wall. These are the things that you urinate into, and often they're quite close to each other. And the most awkward thing in the world is. When you go into, you synchronize with someone, you end up going into the toilet at the same time as another person, especially if you know them a little bit and you end up standing right next to them and you have to try to urinate. And usually it is impossible. Get stage fright. Stage fright, exactly. And, and, and then you're just standing there with your dick in your hand, <laughs> 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 standing next to someone who's like, what am I doing? That's the worst of all. Yeah. I can't stand that. There's so much men's toilet etiquette, like never, I, I don't know why people do this. When when you're peeing at the urinal, urinal, and yeah. someone comes right next to you, when there's clearly other spots open, what's going on there? Personally, I will always go straight into the cubicle. Same. Just bam, cubicle lock. Yeah. With the elbow. <laughs> and then... <sighs> <laughs> but yeah if someone ends up peeing next to you that's that's horrendous yeah so try, you know and also of course the number one rule is don't look is of that course. pun number one number one yeah <laughs> the number one rule when doing a number one don't look don't don't, so just don't do that this this is another awkward thing i i, I don't know if it's awkward it's, you know there's that just kind of a little bit similar to when you feel like you're stealing something in in the shop Mm-hmm. It's like you you know you shouldn't do something, so you want to do it more. Yeah, like like you're thinking, okay, don't look, don't look, don't look. So it's almost like you, you would never look anyway, but because you're saying don't look, it becomes so hard. That, oh, I've got to look. I've got to look. Yeah, it's like like, <clears throat> like a exactly. magnet. You know, it's like when you're next <laughs> next to a cliff, like a yeah. very tall cliff, and you stand next to it. You feel like it's pulling you, almost pulling you over the edge. You know, uh, uh, like that. Um, yeah, similarly, when you're in the toilet and there's a man next to you peeing, then like, like, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't. Yeah. You don't even want to look, but because you know the pressure is there to not look, for some reason it's it's like you know trying to. <laughs> it's like everyone don't don't think about <laughs> pink elephants. Of... It's like it's like that, isn't it? Everyone's thinking about it now. And everyone, 
immediately you start thinking of a pink elephant. Yeah. Uh, okay, strange turn there. Let's <laughs> let, let me do two more of these because we're running out of time. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. How good are you at overtaking someone on foot? Um, so you're walking down the street. There's a person walking ahead of you. They're a bit slower than you. You need to overtake them on foot. So you're going to have to hurry up. Hmm. I mean, I'm pretty that? good at that. I'm pretty good. Normally, I would walk faster. And I'd notice the other person walks slower because they want me to overtake. That's what I tend to notice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tweet was this. Overtaking someone on foot and having to keep up an uncomfortably fast <laughs> pace or speed until safely over the over the horizon so you've got to speed up and then you have to continue going that fast in order to put distance between you and the person you've just overtaken yeah, yeah okay that, i feel i feel like that might be universal too that I, I mean how could that not be awkward anywhere else yeah yeah you say that but you know i mean i've been to some places where people you know will will walk pretty slowly behind in front of each other and uh, I don't know. I don't get the sense that there's mm. so much discomfort about being in close proximity to other people you don't know. There's a lot more bumping into each other. For example, in France, people generally don't seem to mind being oh, that really? close to each other. You know, I'm always aware of my personal space. Going back to Japan again, the personal space thing is very big. And if you're on the subway in, in, in Tokyo or something, you really do have to make sure you've got your bag nice and close and that mm-hmm. you don't stretch your feet out. You don't manspread everywhere uh, and you keep yourself nice and small and compact. Uh, it's just out of respect for other people. Uh, London Underground, too, I find that there's more of that, that people tend to try to, you know, try not to take up too much space. Whereas in the French Metro, it's less so. So, like, on a scale, you've got Japan at the top, then, you know, Tokyo at the top, London, and then Paris comes third in, in the in the respecting each other's personal space uh, thing. There's a lot more bumping around here, which mm. is fine, I suppose. You know, it's just different. Um, um, hmm. How do you... So, do you feel it necessary to speed up when you're walking over a zebra crossing? So, listeners, viewers, a zebra crossing is one of those pedestrian crossings uh, for people to walk over the street, and it's it's white lines. Like on the front cover of the Abbey Road Beatles album, that's a zebra crossing. So, when you're crossing a, a when you're walking over a zebra crossing, you have the right to walk over that zebra crossing. There are cars waiting for you. Um, but do, what do you do? Do you, do, you, do you speed up or do you maintain the same speed? Yeah, this is a good question. I mean, since coming to since moving to London, I'm, I'm trying to change this. Actually, I, I know you said it maybe a speed round, but I sorry, if I'm yes, failing. yeah, sorry. Um, I used to speed up, yeah, but now recently I'm trying not to because I don't want to be. I don't like the feeling of always being like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't want to trouble you. I don't like that kind of feeling. So I'm trying to be like, it's my right to walk. I'm going to walk at my pace. So I, I just walk at my pace. I say thank you. I don't, mm. but it's a conscious thing. I have to like consciously not do that because, yeah, I, I don't know how else to explain it. But. That's a sign of confidence that you're just like, I will, I'm walking across this. Like Roger, I don't know why that was Roger Moore's voice. <laughs> I'm walking across this zebra crossing. <laughs> that's, that's how I, that's what I aspire to be. Yeah. <laughs> you should be like Roger Moore. How would Roger Moore uh, uh, walk over a zebra crossing? <laughs> I'm Roger, I'm Roger Moore walking over a zebra crossing. Um, so the uh, tweet was this, uh, deeming it necessary or considering it necessary to do a little jog over zebra crossings 
uh, while throwing an apologetic mini wave a kind of pathetic <laughs> little wave and then you're walking and then you kind of do a little jog at the end and do a pathetic wave god some some people from other countries listening to this might be thinking god the british are so pathetic aren't they with their little <laughs> waves and their jogging across my, zebra crossings my friend calls that the the british hop because like he does it in spain as well and no one else does it in spain but like you're going across the last like two thirds of the crossing, you're just like kind of little hop just to look like you're going faster. You, you don't actually go any faster. It just gives the image that like, I'm not taking my time. I promise cars and you're going to get there. Um, but only like, I, I think that's a very British thing, that hop. Yes, I do it in Paris. Other <laughs> uh, Parisians don't, but I'll skip across the road. And I, I suppose that, you know, and I suppose the drivers are probably like, look, you, you pathetic bastard. You know, I just sort of feel like people don't respect it. Maybe they do. I'm maybe being unfair. I'm sure there are, you know, people here who who find it lovely and and nice. But the general feeling I get is that people are like, why are you doing that? (laughs) Why are you doing that to yourself? Um, One more, one more. So uh, if you pay for something in a shop uh, and you use exactly the right change, all the right coins. So if it's £1.75 and you give the person £1.75 perfectly and you know it's exactly the right change, do you wait for the cashier to count the money before you leave? Yeah, or yeah, I feel like that's just polite anyway. In case mm-hmm. you always make mistakes, but yeah, and then you have to say, "I think that's right," even though you're you know it's right. That's that's perfect. That's perfect because it says first of all, it says um, waiting for permission to leave after paying for something with exactly the right change. Uh, and and also another tweet, which was this: being unable to pay for something with exact with the exact change without saying, "I think that's right." <laughs> word for word, yeah. I, I think well, humans are fallible. Like you, 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 we make mistakes. I think it's good to stay, you know, any anywhere in the world, isn't it? Until they confirm. Yes, I think so. I think so. But it's really interesting because you got the vast majority of those questions. Well, I say right, but the, the answers that you gave were pretty much in line with the the, the tweets from very British problems. So mm. I suppose I don't know what this means. Does this mean that you're very British or that very British problems is actually real? Uh, I don't know, but it's interesting. Yeah, I'm really curious if the listeners had the same answers or maybe somewhat different, but also awkward in another way. That'd be interesting to hear. We really want to know, listeners, we really want to know what your responses were to those questions. And you'll find all those questions listed on the page for this episode on my website as well. And if you're watching the video version, I think I'll probably be putting the questions on the screen and and the tweets and stuff too, so you can read them there. Uh, But Michael, this has been really interesting and, uh, and, and good fun. Uh, thanks for you know. Thanks for telling us about your language learning experiences and all the rest of it. Thank and you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it has. And and you know, yeah. Good good luck and stuff for the future with all the podcast episodes that are coming. Uh, what what's the best way for people to uh, discover you and your your work? Yeah, I've got two websites, which which is a bit confusing. But I've got my kind of private teaching website, which is ewmichael.com. Like ew, yeah, that's Michael. That's Ew, Michael. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Ew, ew, it's a, Michael. It's a good um, yeah. mnemonic to remember, right? Yeah, it's ewmichael.com. English it? with Michael, it stands for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ew, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've got my podcast, which is Level Up English podcast. And the website for that is levelupenglish.school. Oh, yeah, fancy. Okay. 
Very nice. Okay, listeners, there you go. And you can find him on YouTube too. Uh, Michael, have a lovely rest of the day. Um, I hope you don't have any, you know, awkward encounters. Uh, but uh, if you do, then, uh, you know, talk about them. Tell, tell everyone about them on the podcast. It'd be fun. Yeah, I will do. I'll give you a nice awkward goodbye now as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is always an awkward moment at the end of an episode saying goodbye. Do you, do you find the same thing? It's very difficult for me to like, right, right, okay. Because, you know, basically what I need is the equivalent of like, anywhere here is fine, you know, yeah, for yeah. the podcasting. <laughs> but I can't just say, you right, say well, that. okay. Yeah, I can't just say, right, well, stop. Goodbye. You know, so I think I'll just say anywhere here's fine. Okay, Michael. So, uh, yeah, anywhere here's fine. Thanks. All right. Get out. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that was my conversation with Michael Lavers from the Level Up English podcast. And I'm very curious to know about your responses to all the stuff that we were talking about here, especially the stuff in the sort of second half of the episode. Um, I'm curious to know your responses to those very British things and all those different social situations. What would you do? What would you have done in those situations? Let's see if your responses are kind of like the same as the British ones or not. But leave your comments in the comment section uh, on the website, I guess, because this is you're now listening to the audio version. Although, to be honest, you were listening to the audio version before, too. But what I mean is that this is the audio version, and so there's a bit of rambling at the end here from me. This isn't in the video version. Uh, So, yes, you're listening to the audio version. So, yeah, leave your comments on the website, I guess, on the page for this episode uh, on my website. Uh, So, yes, the uh, Level Up English podcast, uh, you can get it at levelupenglish.school and click on Podcasts. And you can see all his episodes. And uh, you could listen to episode 114 if you'd like to listen to my conversation with Michael when he interviewed me. So that's episode 114 of the Level Up English podcast if you're interested. So, <clears throat> so some of you might be wondering about part two of that Carl Pilkington episode I did. The last episode of this podcast was, um, you know, Carl Pilkington talking about stuff. So... Some of you will be thinking, where's part two of that? Well, this one, the one you're listening to now, the one with Michael, this was originally supposed to be episode 748. And instead of this, I was going to upload part two of the Carl Pilkington episode as 747. But here is what happened. This is what happened uh, this morning, actually. So I I recorded the entire thing. I, I recorded all of Carl Pilkington part two, the video as well. And then I checked it back, started editing it, and the entire video and audio are corrupted somehow. They're sort of somehow time-stretched. They're all out of sync. There are moments when the video is all slowed down and stuff. It's very weird. Never happened to me before. And I can't fix it because both the audio and the video are both unusable. So that's it. I, I can't use that. I can't use the stuff I recorded this morning. So I'll have to do the entire thing all over again, which is a huge pain in the neck. Um, but that's why this isn't Carl Pilkington part two. But um, I'll have to do Carl Pilkington part two again. I mean, the fact it went wrong, I mean, it's not the end of the world because it was actually quite a long episode. It ended up being in like an hour and 45 minutes long, which is 
I mean, you know, I often talk about this and defend the idea of longer episodes, but I don't want my episodes to become too long. Like, longer than a football match is probably pushing it, I would say. Um, so uh, it was too long. So I'll, maybe I'll be able to sort of like fix that and do a few changes, make some edits before I record it again, and it'll be better than it was before. We'll see. Uh, you might be thinking, Luke, which software do you use to record your videos and stuff and edit them? Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to now name the specific service I use because normally it works very well, and I wouldn't want to give the wrong impression. But there are basically there are various sites or apps which let you record conversations, a bit like Zoom, but with higher quality audio and video. There are various sort of podcasting services that let you do zoom type video calls and record the audio and video in fairly high quality and i just use one of them and normally it works fine because it's a way for me to record my video and my screen right so if i do it on my own i'll still use this thing i'll just record myself and my screen and um and that way i can actually do all the recording online rather than on my computer, because my computer doesn't have enough memory and storage to cope with recording sort of reasonably high-quality video and screen at the same time. Um, So that's probably what went wrong, because I was using an online recording system, probably the connection went wrong. But normally it's very, very good at handling those connection issues, so I don't know what happened. Um, But once anyway, once I've recorded the video, I then just edit it together with, with some generic video editing software. But anyway, I'll have to have another go at that, maybe next Monday. So Carl Pilkington Part 2 will be coming. And I have had a few requests. I I say that because I had specific requests from people asking me to do uh, the rest of that Carl Pilkington stuff. So uh, that's what I'll, I'll do. So you can expect that episode coming soon. Other things I wanted to ramble about, the design competition. Don't forget about that. I sort of haven't mentioned it in the last few episodes. But I launched a design competition in episode 742. Um, and the prize is that you get your uh, design in the Luke's English Podcast merchandise store. So that would be on T-shirts and mugs and so on. And also, I will send you a, a cash prize of £80. Not bad. So I've had some entries already. And if you've sent me something, then thank you very much. Uh, please send your designs to podcastcomp at gmail.com. Podcastcomp at gmail.com. And my brother and I will review the entries we receive, talk about them on the podcast, and pick at least one to be featured in the LEP merch store, which means that people will be able to buy t-shirts and mugs and other stuff with your design on it. So think of a t-shirt design that Lepsters would want to wear. The prize, as I said, your design will be in the store and you'll get £80. Uh, Specifications for the design. So I want a high-resolution, transparent PNG at... 150 dpi minimum um okay that and minimum dimensions of at least 1500 hold on 1500 pixels by 1995 pixels so 1500 px by 1995 px not including outer transparent pixels Okay, the closing date is the 22nd of October 2021. You don't have much time left. And as I said, send your designs to podcastcomp at gmail.com. And listeners, don't forget the merch stores are available. You can get your t-shirts and other stuff by going to teacherluke.co.uk slash merch. And um, 
I'm happy with some of the stuff I've got recently. I'm currently wearing my red Luke's English Podcast t-shirt. It's got the LEP logo on the top left corner of the t-shirt. And on the back it says, buy, 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 like that. Which is, I can proudly wear that. That's nice. I've been wearing t-shirts. I've been wearing my podcast t-shirts on stage while doing stand-up comedy recently. And the other day someone came up to me after a show and said, is that really the name of your podcast? And I was like, yes, it is. You want to, you should, you should listen to it. So I'm doing my own publicity on stage. Talking of stand-up, actually, next week, next Tuesday, uh, I'm opening for Paul Taylor. That means I'm going to be opening his show. So Paul is back on stage going around, mainly going around France doing shows in different cities, quite big ones, you know, thousands of people in the audience. It's amazing. His his posters are currently all over the Paris metro, advertising shows at the, the Grand Rex, the Grand Rex, which is maybe one of the biggest venues in the city. And the main room in there holds, I think it's something like 2,600 people, 2,500 people, something like that. Paul is playing in that room two dates next week. Uh, I believe it's Either the Monday and Tuesday or the Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm not sure. This is probably being published around the same time. Anyway, um, so Paul is is doing two dates. And when he does a show like this in a big venue, he often will have other comedians come and do maybe 10 minutes, five minutes of comedy just to kind of warm the audience up, just to kind of get the show started. So that's going to be me next Tuesday. I'm going to be on stage in front of potentially two and a half thousand people. Um, opening for Paul Taylor doing my comedy. So I think I'm going to have to wear some kind of Luke's English podcast t-shirt for that. And that's quite a big deal. That's a big show. And so I'm looking forward to it very much. It's amazing doing shows like that. It's very exciting. And what I'm thinking of doing is recording some kind of podcast maybe that evening. But it depends, you see. I might not feel like it on the evening, you know. I might not completely feel like I want to do it because I might be kind of preparing myself to do comedy. It depends. But I'll see. I might do that. I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, record my stand-up comedy material because as I've said before, this is stuff that comedians like to hold on to. If you publish too much of your material, then you won't really be able to do it live anymore because everyone will have heard it on your podcast. So, but anyway, I might do a, uh, an episode where I kind of like do a recording while I'm in the th- in the theater uh, maybe with Paul a little bit. We'll see. But that's going to be fun. But anyway, if you want to get your t-shirts, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash merch. Um, Premium stuff. So I am doing a premium series. It's called P32. What did Carl say? And it's going to be a sort of mainly a memory test uh, for all the vocab that came up uh, and is coming up in the Carl Pilkington series. So that's Carl Pilkington parts one and two. Um, I've gone through that and created a big list of target vocabulary. And since since I'm going through all the language quite in quite a lot of detail already in those Carl Pilkington episodes. The idea in the premium stuff is that I'm going to kind of go through all the target language and try to um, remind you of all those words and phrases. So I'll be giving you clues and little hints and tips, trying to encourage you to 
remember the specific phrases, um, every single, you know, part of each phrase. So it'll be a kind of memory reminder thing and also pronunciation drills, but I'll be doing the pronunciation drills in my accent rather than in, in Carl's accent, mainly to help you practice using the vocab and remember it and so on. So that's coming up in uh, episodes of Luke's English Podcast Premium. And if you'd like to sign up to the premium stuff, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. Okay, right. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. You are a super duper extra special listener. And um, I will speak to you on the podcast very soon. All right. But now it's just time for me to say good bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.